Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Recently, I read an article about a 13-year-old middle school student in Raleigh, North Carolina, who petitioned the State Environmental Management Commission to issue a new regulation that would require the citizens of North Carolina to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by at least 4% each year. The student's name is Haley Turner. When Haley was nine years old, She heard people talking about climate change and asked her parents what it was all about. Her quest for information led to the library where she read Al Gore's book, An Inconvenient Truth, The Crisis of Global Warming. After reading Gore's book, she became an environmental activist and has participated in a number of events and initiatives related to reducing carbon emissions in our state and in our nation. I will read you several quotes from an article in the Raleigh News and Observer written by Anne Blythe. It is important to me because I feel like this is an issue that impacts everyone, Haley told reporters inside the courthouse Friday. And it's an issue. It's not only affecting me, but it's affecting future generations. Haley is challenging a December 2014 decision by the North Carolina Environmental Management Commission. With the help of lawyers from Our Children's Trust, an Oregon-based climate change nonprofit, attorneys from Duke University's Environmental Law and Policy Clinic, and Gail Touch, a Forsyth County lawyer, Haley seeks to persuade state leaders to adopt rules that would reduce greenhouse gases by at least 4% per year. Haley's not asking for more than what's considered best available science, said Touch, an attorney from Clements. I feel like my voice needs to be heard, Haley said. I haven't really ever let age get in the way. There are definitely people who are like, you're a kid, what do you know? And that was always the frustrating thing for me. Haley said she does not plan to back down on her mission if the court rules against her. I'm going to keep on fighting she said. Predictably, the newspaper article evoked numerous comments, positive and negative, about Haley's activism and about global warming. Unfortunately, many were mean and hateful. In his blog, Haley's father included some of the worst ones and then commented, Is this what passes for civil discourse these days? Do some people really feel threatened by a brilliant, poised, passionate young woman like Haley? Are their egos really that fragile? 
What is it about online forums that prompts people to lose their religion like this? Thinking they won't ever be held accountable for their hateful views? Where does it become acceptable to slander a 13-year-old? Not all commenters were lowlifes. Some were very supportive of Haley's actions. Some disagreed, but did so civilly. After reading these articles, I thought it might be interesting to invite Haley Turner and her parents to be my guests on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum and Freedom Forum Radio. I think it's important that we discuss these issues publicly, try to understand other people's opinions and present facts and data in a civil manner so as to reach decisions based on logic. So I wrote an email to Haley's father, Mark Turner, as quote, I have read articles in the newspaper and online about your daughter, Haley, and her suit against the state of North Carolina about carbon emission standards. I also read your post concerning the hateful rhetoric directed toward Haley as a result of her activism. Our country has become so polarized that civil discourse about divisive issues is rarely possible. The primary source of this animosity is people's unwillingness to use verifiable facts to reach logical conclusions. This email is an invitation for your daughter to appear on my radio program, Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. The format is simple. A discussion of issues, in this case, climate change and Haley's legal initiative, in a respectful manner using facts and logic to support and discuss one's opinions. Name-calling, gotcha questions, and disrespect are just not allowed. In addition, the interview would be recorded by telephone in advance, giving you the opportunity as Haley's parent to withdraw permission for the interview to be aired. Within 24 hours, I received a rejection of my interview request from Haley's father. In truth... I didn't expect Mark Turner to allow his daughter to appear on this radio program. I was, however, hopeful that a respectful and civil request would indicate to him my willingness to explore this subject with his daughter in a manner that would be acceptable to him. So here goes in her absence. If she were to have appeared on Freedom Forum Radio, I would have started by complimenting her initiative and passion. Then I would have allowed her unlimited time to present her understanding of climate change or global warming and why she believes it constitutes an impending catastrophe for mankind on Earth. Of course, a discussion consists of two sides, at least. And after she was done, I would have offered my opinion. To begin, I would have talked about the scientific method a rigorous discipline by which well-designed experiments produce verifiable raw data from which logical conclusions can be drawn. A scientific experiment consists of five parts. Number one, the hypothesis, the goal of the experiment or what you are trying to prove or disprove. Number two, the experimental design and method. In other words, how you intend to proceed and why those tests are and would be a valid means to prove or disprove the hypothesis. Number three, the materials, what tools, subjects that are needed. Number four, the raw data, the results of the experimental trials, not altered, not censored or amended in any way, just the raw data. And number five, the conclusions, 
What did the raw data shows, and is the hypothesis proven or not? As you may know, I've conducted basic and clinical research in college and medical school and in practice. I have authored 14 peer-reviewed scientific articles in respected scientific and medical journals over the course of my career. Each article, after it was written, was submitted in draft form to the journal, who then sent the draft to other professionals to decide whether it was worthy of publication. Often, the drafts came back with suggestions, questions, and demands for more data in order to make the article worthy of publication. Now, in order to defend your hypothesis and the experiment itself, your raw data must be available for other scientists to examine. In addition, they may want to try to reproduce the study you just performed in order to verify the truth and accuracy of your results and conclusions. This rigorous proof process is the basis of scientific advance and the scientific method. It is truly unfortunate that those who have proposed climate change and global warming to be valid scientific theory have not adhered to these same strict scientific principles that have allowed science to advance in a reasonable and methodical and proper way for centuries. For example, the hockey stick graft, which serves as the basis for current climate change theory, made it appear as if Earth's temperature was very stable over the past 1,000 years until the Industrial Revolution caused it to rise precipitously. Unfortunately, the hockey stick graph controversy is a good example of how a professor from the University of Massachusetts used a deliberately altered data analysis protocol to support a political agenda by adjusting data weights Michael Mann, the primary author of the paper, eliminated previously documented and accepted Earth temperature data showing a medieval warm period with temperatures much higher than today's. For an excellent discussion of this subject, you can go to http colon forward slash forward slash a skeptical mind dot com the rise and fall of the hockey stick. As a 13-year-old, Haley also does not have the first-hand knowledge of recent history from which we are able to separate truth from fiction. For instance, I remember the first Earth Day in 1970. Scientists gathered and proclaimed that because of greenhouse gas emissions, we were about to enter a new ice age. They predicted a drop in Earth's temperature by 11 degrees by the year 2000, and without equivocation, they predicted that millions of people would die from mass starvation, animal and plant extinction, and asphyxiation within 20 to 30 years. Obviously, this did not occur. The temperature on Earth actually rose slightly until the year 2000. The same scientists recognizing their predictions would not come to pass quickly changed their tune to say that these greenhouse gases were in fact causing global warming and predicted that global warming would have similar catastrophic effects. For the first past decade, however, the Earth's temperature has declined slightly. So they used the term climate change 
Whether the Earth's temperature rose or declined, whether the climate got wetter or drier, hotter or colder or whatever, it would all be covered by the term climate change. It should be obvious that these scientists really don't know what will go on and probably don't really care much what will go on because it really is not about saving humanity. It's about a collectivist agenda con to control events on Earth and to control humanity. Let's look at one simple issue, carbon dioxide. Here is a simple fact that is taught in basic elementary school and middle school biology. As we sit in this radio station, in our homes, or anywhere else, as we breathe and talk, we are emitting carbon dioxide gas from our mouth and noses. That carbon dioxide is used by plants for their energy source, and they give off oxygen in return. The symbiotic relationship between plant and animal kingdoms is the basis of all life on Earth. Does it make any sense for the EPA to call carbon dioxide a poisonous gas and regulate it? Most of the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere actually comes from animals and the ocean, not from man's industrial activity. Let's look at other verifiable facts. 1,000 years ago, the country of Greenland, now covered by glacier and ice, was inhabited by settlers from Scandinavia who had farms and grew crops there. Fossil fuel use and carbon dioxide cannot be blamed for the complete change in climate. And now, how about the hypocrisy about Al Gore and dozens of other government officials and Hollywood celebrities flying to climate change symposiums in dozens of private jets, living in mansions with gigantic carbon footprints? It's just another case of do as I say, not as I do by people who feel they are superior to us regular folks and above the law themselves. Finally, I would have discussed with Haley the website petitionproject.org. On this website, 31,487 scientists from around the world, including 9,029 with a Ph.D. degree, have signed a petition based on their belief as men of science that the activities of man do not cause global warming or climate change. Here's the petition. We urge the United States government to reject the global warming agreement that was written in Kyoto, Japan in December 1997 and any other similar proposals. The proposed limits on greenhouse gases would harm the environment, hinder the advance of science and technology, and damage the health and welfare of mankind. There is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide, methane, or other greenhouse gases is causing or will in the foreseeable future cause a catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and the disruption of the Earth's climate. Moreover, there is substantial scientific evidence that increases in atmospheric carbon dioxide produce many beneficial effects upon the natural plant and animal environments on Earth. On this site, there's also a link to a summary of peer-reviewed research in which scientific articles and discussions can be found. You know, I applaud Haley Turner for her activism and initiative. Activism is good and healthy when it is based on fact and can withstand debate and discussions involving opposing points of view. I would, however, urge her to approach this issue in a proper scientific manner by searching for facts without preconceived notion and by having an open mind to evaluate the data without bias. 
reliable scientific data truly raises serious issues about the truth of the climate change theories that she is fighting so hard to promote. For a 13-year-old, it is the obligation of parents to guide their children through this process. But that can only happen if parents do not have a personal agenda that prevents them from adhering to the scientific principles that are the basis for scientific theories that withstand close inspection. Many of the comments posted by Haley's father as examples of hateful speech contain true verifiable facts. Nevertheless, their hateful tone and wording makes it easy to, to dismiss whatever truth they might contain. After lamenting this fact, however, Haley's father cannot resist the urge to engage in the very same style of rhetoric to emphasize his point. And I quote, Predictably and sadly, many who choose to ignore the overwhelming evidence that humans are affecting our climate have also chosen to attack Haley and by extension, Kelly and me, rather than refute the evidence or argument. I know the climate change deniers are out there. They are a small but vocal minority. The First Amendment protects your right to be an a-hole. This does not mean you should be an a-hole. You're supposed to have enough sense to come to that conclusion yourself. I don't expect everyone to agree to everything all the time, but wouldn't it be great if more people moved toward common ground? These folks, by and large, seem to be living narrow, fearful little lives in hate-filled worlds where boogeymen and other threats abound. It would be great if they could be drawn out long enough out of their bunkers to see that change does not have to be scary, that what they've shown on TV does not accurately portray the world they live in, and that strong young women not only are not scary, they may just be what the world needs. And that's what he posted. And therein lies the problem. The chasm that separates us, free market versus socialism, self-reliance versus welfare state, constitutional limitation of federal power versus the tyranny of big government, natural law rights versus government-created rights, and private property versus collective ownership cannot be bridged. Creating division, anger, and jealousy is the goal of the oligarchy in Washington that must be ousted from power if we are to have any hope of saving our nation. Haley's father wants, quote, people to move toward common ground, close quote. Well, common ground is a myth. It does not exist. Common ground is a location at which one side or the other, or both sides for that matter, must deny truth and fact to reach a compromise. If your opinion is based on verifiable fact, why would you compromise to a position based on untruth? In the final analysis, however, we all need to be able to make decisions based on verifiable facts from which we can draw logical conclusions. It is unfortunate that so many people, including young people in schools, have been taught that climate change is undeniably true. The fact is it is not undeniably true. It actually is no more than the prediction of future events by a computer model that is, in turn, based on false data. Garbage in, garbage out. Common sense can be found in this comment posted by David Herman on WRAL's website and quoted by Haley's father. I have edited out some portions so as not to obscure the folk wisdom it contains. Quote, nobody is more in tune to the climate than a farmer, certainly not a city kid. 
We have no crops that grow any better or worse here in my 46 years. Sometimes it rains enough, sometimes too much, sometimes not enough. Sometimes it's too hot or too cold, but there is no discernible statistical or recorded trend one way or the other. One thing we have is anecdotal observation from one season to the next. The tide comes up to the exact same point it did on the exact same pylons as when I was five years old. Yet we are told sea levels have risen to the point that third world communities have been forced from their homes. How could that be possible if levels haven't really risen? This clear lie should make you discount the whole sham of climate change. This is Dr. Dan, and that's my opinion. Thanks for listening. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything going to be all right this morning. Oh, <laughs>